Hello, and welcome to Two Crones and a Microphone. I am Linda. And I am Betty. We are cultural midwives and a force for change using applied practical spirituality. We've been friends and colleagues for over 35 years. We will talk about wisdom practices we use in daily life. This is our 12th podcast, and the topic is matters of the heart. We will speak about why it's important to each of us how to share with our family, friends, and how to calm that rack-a-rack-a-roo, that monkey mind chattering when it arises. We will share practices and processes you can use in daily life, at home, work, and play. So pull up a chair, grab a cup of tea, cup of coffee, a pen and paper, and let's get started. Settle into your body, listen, and see what you can use in your life. Remember, this is all about you and apply practical spirituality. We'd like to share what was our message for the new year because it's really appropriate for matters of the heart. Our message for the new year was lead with love for yourself and others. Love for self includes come as you are, self-acceptance and self-care. Love for others includes boundaries and sometimes straight speech and wisdom. And I think that last piece, the boundaries and straight speech, are things that we all need help with. I couldn't agree more, Betty. Yeah, we're still practicing and goodness knows we have decades of experience. Yes. Absolutely. So Linda, you were talking to me about um, some a poem that you had come across and you oh. wanted to share it with our listeners. Oh, that sounds lovely. So here we go. Um, this poem is called Silent Seat. It's by Tosha Silver from a small book of poems that called Make Me Your Own, Poems to the Divine Beloved. And here it is. When you finally take your calm and silent seat on the throne of your own heart, everything begins to fall into its proper place because you have. Oh, that's brilliant. That Isn't is that? Just lovely. Linda, could you spell her name for our listeners? That's a great idea. Yeah. Tosha, T-O-S-H-A. Last name Silver, S-I-L-V-E-R. She's a well-known published author, but this is from a small book of poems. And she's one of my favorite authors. I love her work. And what is the title of the book? Make Me Your Own. Oh, lovely. Really? That's great. So thanks for saying that. So that's our perspective. How can we love and care for ourselves? pay attention to matters of the heart, in order to care for ourselves, others, and the world. Now, let's be, we're going to be really straight here. Speaking of straight speech, as a society, we teach women to give their all. Homemaker, teacher, lover, friend, nurse, Betty, caregiver. (laughs) But to be clear, these roles can also be true for all of us, not just women. But we are certainly encouraged to take all this on. And so let's start something different. Let's look at how we can nourish and love ourselves. Because as we're told, just like in an airplane with an oxygen mask, we have to put ours on first in order to be able to take care of others. We need to fill our own cup. So, Betty, have you heard about the five love languages? I haven't, but it sounds really interesting. So why don't you share with us? (laughs) Sure. Well, so what are the five love languages? 
you know, just last week I was reading a New York Times article that cites the five love languages. And I thought our listeners would be really interested to hear about this. These are outlined by Gary Chapman, C-H-A-P-M-A-N, in a 1995 book, The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. So his focus is on how do you understand your beloved, your other, your family, your friends? And what are the five love languages? Well, you know what? It turns out that there are five key ways that he identified that seem to be playing out accurately that different people like to or resonate with love. This is how they feel or experience love. We all can experience all five, but usually we have maybe two of these that are the key way we like to have love shown to us or that we like to show love. So what are they? Number one, words of affirmation. These people light up when they hear words of affirmation, encouragement, and appreciation. They want to hear regularly that they matter to you. And so think about yourself here first. Are you a words of affirmation person? Two, quality time. The gift of your time and undivided attention are what makes this person feel cared for. Choosing to feel time and connecting means more than you can ever say or do for this person. Three, receiving gifts. Those who fall in the meaningful gifts group thrive on the thoughtfulness and effort behind giving gifts, and they view the gifts as tangible proof of your connection and care. They may also love receiving gifts. For them, gifts are love made visible. Four, acts of service. Now, some of us, and we've all grown up, I'm sure, hearing actions speak louder than words. That's what this one is about. If someone really values acts of service as a, as a form of love, then swoop in and help them. Ask, gee, do you need help with those dishes? What's going on? How can I help you? And it's going to mean the world to them. That to them is love expressed. And then five, physical touch. These folks feel love and supported through physical contact with others. It creates a powerful sense of trust. Like dancing, for example, if you're dancing with someone that can be a wonderful way to affirm physical touch or um, caring. So Betty, how which of those resonate with you? Um, actually, all of them. <laughs> See? <laughs> and this... I'm sitting here listening to you. And I thought to myself, this is really applicable to ourselves. And that's what exactly. we're talking about here. Loving ourselves. Exactly. Um, we, when we studied with Oshana, she really impressed upon us the power of affirmations. Yes. We had a mirror meditation that you would do in the morning while you were looking at yourself. Um, how important that was to love yourself and tell yourself how much you love yourself. The quality time, this is something we all need. And I don't care if it's 5, 15, 30 minutes a day, but you need to just get away and be with yourself and listen to yourself. Listen Great. to your heart. Yep. Receiving gifts. What comes to mind is something simple. Manicure, pedicure, massage, <laughs> whatever works. Okay. Yeah. Gift yourself a new book. For me, it would be a new book. Oh, me too. Uh, Are yeah. you kidding? Love it's on books. the endless book list. I yes. have a stack. I have several <laughs> stacks. We all do. <laughs> Acts of service. I'm a nurse. I'm used to doing this, but at the same time, there's nothing like 
doing an active service for myself, really, when you think about it. How do I help myself? Do I help myself by taking time to read Toshi's book of poems? Yes. There's all kinds of ways to get around this. And finally, physical touch. Now that you probably need another person, but not necessarily. Think about it. Well, and in fact, in our last podcast, what we were talking about is actually um, is for anxiety. Our practice was one you offered up, which is self-touch, which is using that wonderful shea butter, massaging it into your hands at night, really working it through your fingers, your palms. And what what are you doing? That's also an act of physical touch for yourself. Absolutely. And that has become my nightly routine. And I want to thank you because I've started that too. And it's really wonderful. And my hands are softer in the morning, I've got to (laughs) say. Yeah. Of course. Well, there's a lot of different things that we could uh, go into about what more specifically this can mean. But I think we've briefed on that. There is another um, way to think about love. And it was put together by the Greeks. And so the Greeks had eight different types of love based on the Greek definitions of love. And, you know, we want to share these with you because there are different ways that they talk about that range far, far outside just the sort of romantic love that we often think of love as being about. So think about this while I go through what different types of love are you currently experiencing? How are they impacting your life? First one that we want to talk about is self-love. And we want to talk about this a little bit uh, more in depth. The Greeks understood the concept of self-love that in order to care for others, we must first learn to care for ourselves. And this is an unhealthy vanity, self-obsession, narcissism, personal fame, gain, fortune. Instead, this is self-love in its healthiest form. And it shares the Buddhist philosophy of self-compassion. And what is that? That's the deep understanding that only once you have the strength to love yourself and feel comfortable in your own skin, will you be able to provide love to others? And I love this quote. The Greek philosopher Aristotle put it, All friendly feelings for others are an extension of a man's or woman's feelings for himself. You can't share what you don't have. So it's a call to love yourself so that you may love yourself and love others. Betty, would you like to add anything? I think that is spot on because... I have noticed in my lifetime that the people who do not have, know how to share love do not love themselves. Yeah. It is so evident. And you have to find that unconditional love for yourself first before you can share it. It's really critical. And I think it is a work in progress. Let's, you know... Mm-hmm. It's something we all practice. It's like we've talked about before. You know, we all have various practices that we strive for. And there's something to be said for accepting ourselves right where we are, but saying, oh, all right, well, maybe I do need to focus on opening my heart a little more toward myself. And then by extension, that will extend to others. You know, because this is something that's interesting too. What about the energetic influence of the heart? 
I mean, we both studied energy medicine in various forms and in almost every practice that I've in, that I've encountered, they talk about how the radiance of the heart is the largest energy field. It is absolutely huge. And and so when we focus on and open our hearts, that spreads. It has an energetic influence. I absolutely believe that because I have seen it over my lifetime uh, yeah. in various forms work with my with my patients. Yeah. Um, with people that I would be working with, you know, particularly my physicians, a lot of times they would be like, you know, just going on. Yeah, of course. And I noticed if I opened my heart and just sent maybe some pink light out there, mm-hmm. um, it would just it would calm them down. You could see an actual calming yeah. that happened with them. So yes, it's absolutely critical. But again, you can't do that unless your heart is full. Your heart can't be full unless you have filled it for yourself. Exactly. <laughs> Self-fulfilling. And yeah, and I, you know, I spent over 35 years in corporate life and I would attend, particularly in this era of the last two to three years where we really emphasized video, Zoom, Teams calls, all these kinds of modalities. I would make certain that I was grounded with my heart open as I came on that screen. And I'm here to tell you, it would shift the energy in the meeting. So I got a lot of feedback on that as I was exiting the corporate life that I just was leading. So it, it was, it's really interesting. The Greeks have, you know, uh, seven other ways. One of them we're really familiar with, eros or erotic love. And it's named after the Greek god of love and fertility. Eros represents the idea of sexual passion and desire. But this is a cautionary tale for us. The Greeks considered Eros to be a little bit dangerous and frightening because it involves loss of control through the primal impulse to procreate. It's passionate and intense and certainly arouses romantic and sexual feeling. But the the truth is it it may burn out quickly. Um, and so it can be misused or abused and lead to impulsive acts and broken hearts. So it's one that we certainly should pay attention to, and I'm sure we've each experienced in many ways. But let's go on to the second, actually third, philia or affectionate love. And this is about love or through friendship. And really, the ancient Greeks valued philia far above eros because it was considered a love between equals. I mean, for me, Betty, this type of love, the love of friendship, um, sisterhood, brotherhood, extended family of the heart is really one of the key things that I identify with. How about you? Oh, absolutely. There's no question about it. I mean, the, the if it wasn't for the love of my spiritual sisters mm-hmm. and the friendship there, um, it would have been very, very difficult for me to get through the past couple of years. Yeah. And I have always said that I am so very blessed to have these women around me. My sisters, they're my sisters. There's no question about it. I mean, my family was, my biological family was very supportive. Mm -hmm. But my sisters understand my heart. 
See, and that's And if it. you are blessed enough to have uh, a group of women or men that you can relate to, you know, cherish that. Absolutely cherish that because it is your grounding that helps you to center and ground. And if you're flying mm -hmm. around like a balloon out there, believe me, they're the ones to pull on the string and go, whoop, come on back. Let's come back. And in fact, I was just reading again last week, and it might have been a New York Times article or another place where they were talking about exactly that, that this type of affectionate love, the philia between friends, community is the basis for happiness and long life. And so- this is so important. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I just did a uh, webinar last night uh -huh. with Tarone Lodog. Yes, she was talking about this. Mm -hmm. She did bring this up. Mm -hmm. How important it is. You know, you need that other community. You that's know, it. some people find it through church or um, or any know, maybe a club they belong to. Mm -hmm. But it's really, you cannot isolate yourself. It's too difficult. Even even nuns who are living in a cloistered community, they have the other sisters with them. Well, exactly. You know, so we all need people around us. Yeah. And, you know, what? It, it's free from the intensity of sexual attraction, but it, it involves feelings of loyalty among friends, camaraderie among teammates, and the sense of belonging to your pack. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. You know, to me, this is one of the prime ways that I experience and, and appreciate love. There's another one called storage or familiar love. And it, it remember, it resembles that, um, that type of love, but it has to do with kinship and familiarity. It has more often, this has more often to do with more familial in a healthy family unit, how parents and children will kind of flow with each other and go back and forth. It can be found on, among childhood friends as well. Sometimes someone who knows us for the longest has this type of love and regard. It doesn't matter whether they're part of our everyday community or not, but they understand us through the scope of our lives. It's, um, it's really interesting. Then there is ludus or playful love. It has a little bit of erotic energy in it, but it's much more than that. They thought of it, the Greeks, as a form of playful love, the affection between young lovers or that feeling we have when we first go through the early stages of falling in love with someone, you know, like the fluttering heart, flirting, teasing, those feelings of euphoria. Oh, I can't wait. You know, all those, all that stuff and playfulness in love is an essential ingredient that's often lost in long-term relationships, but it's one of the secrets to keeping that kind of innocence and joy in your love alive and keep it interesting and exciting. Do you have thoughts on this? Because I saw your face <laughs> light up there. You know, I'm just thinking as we're going through this, um, how I was in my teen years and my 20s, 30s, mm -hmm. um, where this all was at play. Yes. You know, and oh, yeah. how you progress through these stages as you get older. Yes, exactly. You know, and now I'm in my crone years mm -hmm. and things that were really important, you know, in my 20s, 30s, they're not that important anymore. 
that yeah. type of love is it's there, mm-hmm. but it doesn't take number one spot. Exactly. And and that's the other thing. We have three more to cover. And one of them is what you're talking about is pragma or enduring love. It's aged, it's matured, developed over time, goes beyond the physical, has transcended the casual. And it's a kind of harmony with yourself or a harmony with others. And I kind of I love that. So, you know, you and you and Larry, when you were married for a very long time, for many of us, um, couples or friendships that have endured for decades, it, it, it's the kind of love that um, I used to call, and I borrowed this phrase from some wise woman somewhere, stirring the oatmeal love. It's the kind of love that's very pragmatic and caring and everyday and about experiencing all those deep everyday connections in the day-to-day life as you're fixing the morning oatmeal, uh, just following through on the analogy. You're stirring the love into Mm -hmm. the oatmeal. That's pragma. That is beautiful. And it's kind of undervalued in our society, I think, because we have a little bit of a love affair ourselves with Eros and with the kind of mania that that creates. I agree. I absolutely agree. And it's interesting, you know, um, before Larry crossed, we were married for, what, 31 years? Yeah. And the difference from the beginning Mm-hmm. Even though we were an older couple, mm-hmm. the difference from the beginning um, to where we were when he left me, what well, left me when he crossed over, he didn't leave me intentionally. Mm-hmm. It was just time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was different. I could see the changes in the love, how it how it shifted and changed and followed this pathway. And you're right. You know, I I don't like to cook. Not, you know, <laughs> I can cook, but I don't like it. But when I was when Larry was alive, I cooked dinner, um, particularly at the end when he was when he was not well. And I would put a lot of love in there because that was the way I was expressing my love by taking care of him, by feeding him good, nourishing meals. Yeah. You know, it 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 absolutely does change. Yeah. And I was there, you know, coming to visit while you were doing that. And and this is true for ourselves too. How do we relate to ourselves? How do mm-hmm. we create that sense of know thyself, love thyself on a daily basis? How do we nourish ourselves? So it's the result of some effort and in a couple or a friendship or a family or community. It's the result of effort on both sides. It's love between people who've learned to make compromises, have demonstrated patience and tolerance to make the relationship work. Yeah. And to me, this is the kind of love besides self-love that and philia that I really cherish. I guess I like a lot of these, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard to pick one. It is. But that's why the Greeks laid all these out. So we can sort of walk through and experience a lot of them. Another one, and this is the kind, this is where Eros goes awry, in my opinion, is mania or obsessive love, manic love, a type of love that leads a partner into type of madness and obsessiveness. And to those who experience mania, love itself is a means of rescuing themselves, a reinforcement of their own value. And perhaps they suffer poor self-esteem. I won't, I won't go into analytics here. But this person wants to 
love and be loved like all of us to find a sense of self-value, but they can become possessive or jealous or feeling like they desperately need their partners. This leads to a, a radical imbalance in the power grid between the two. And um, if the other partner fails to reciprocate with the same kind of manic love, there are a lot of issues can prevail. And we've all experienced this. Now, interestingly enough, I have known couples that were, as we say, joined at the hip, and they both had this. Yeah. You know, and I was like, hmm, okay. The problem with that, though, is they're in their own little bubble, Mm -hmm. and they really have time for no one else or anything but each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's its own form of life learning, and that's Mm -hmm. a choice you can make. But it's just, I just think it's interesting to apply this filter, this way of looking at love, because I think it broadens the scope and it begins to help us understand the wide range and the scope and the different flavors of love that can occur. Well, we already talked about enduring love or pragma. Finally, agape or selfless love. And the Greeks considered this the highest, so so to speak, deepest, most radical type of love, selfless, unconditional love. This type of love is not sentimental. Um, It has nothing to do with condition-based or sex-obsessed culture love. It's what some call spiritual love. It's unconditional love. It's bigger than ourselves, boundless compassion, and infinite empathy. You know, in our last podcast on, uh, we we talked about meta or universal loving kindness, and we went through the practice of meta. So it's that type of love we're trying to um, experience or invoke when we when we do the meta practice. And the Greeks considered it the purest form of love because it's free from desires and expectations and and loves regardless of the flaws and shortcomings of others. You know, one of my friends is fond of saying about friendship, yep, I love him or her warts and all. That's that's agape. That's selfless love. We love all of them. And I love to say in my classes, Come as you are. That's a point of self-acceptance and agape too. How we can refer back to ourselves and our own heart practice. And I also like to say all parts of you are welcome here. I think, you know, listening to all of this, the thing that you have to remember is that all these parts are you. That's right. They're all you. I mean, agape, the selfless love is often touted as the pinnacle of love. And mm. in some ways you could say that it is, mm, yeah. um, but it it's extremely hard to achieve. Well, it, yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm still working on it myself. So, and I've been around a while. So I think it's uh, something that we have to realize that it's there. Uh, and the fact that it it's so accepting and forgiving. Exactly. That's, tough to do. That is even, and especially interestingly enough for ourselves. Yes. You know, there is Uh just that piece of ourselves that is critical, um, examines everything, goes, 
well, maybe we should have done it this way or that way. Or if we change something, this wouldn't have happened. Remember, 2020 hindsight's always perfect. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And we are not perfect. We're not perfect people. And our lives are structured so that, I wouldn't say structured, our lives, to me, life is a classroom. Mm. And this is one of the things that we're working towards. Yeah, I agree. we get there, I have no idea, but it's Mm. worth striving for because Uh, the benefits are huge. They surely are. You know, I like to think of um, the fact that we get to walk around together, be in a body, be on the earth, experience love and many other things. I like to think of it as being our imperfect perfection because that's that's what we are. We're imperfectly perfect in any moment. And sometimes we all go through extreme things and we strive because we have this example to try to come back to balance. So yeah, it's a practice. It absolutely is. Well, Betty, you came up with um, a really lovely ritual about um, self-affirmation. It, it was um, you anoint yourself as a way yes. to bless. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking how to present this. So <laughs> it's easy to remember. All right. But for me, uh, in the morning, like when I get up, I, you know, I have this little ritual that I follow. And, you know, you know I give myself Reiki in the morning because I need to tank myself up. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I do when I get out of the shower is I make, I'll take some anointing oil. Like this morning I use patchouli. I love patchouli. I love the way it smells. I love the way it makes me feel. Um, And it can really be any oil that you resonate with. And just take a few drops, place it. You could place it on your heart for sure, Mm -hmm. because that's what you want to keep open. Place it on your throat so that you're saying the proper things. Place it on your uh, crown so that you'll always be open to the divine and whatever they want for you that day. And then I always anoint my hands. Oh, beautiful. Yes. My hands are the extension of the divine. It could yes. be the divine mother, it could be Jesus. It doesn't matter whoever you relate to as the divine. Whatever your spiritual practice is. Yes. Absolutely. All is accepted here. So, and it just helps me to remember that this is what my mission is. This is what I'm here for. And it's interesting because I can smell the patchouli now. And when you have that scent, it kind of reminds me of what I'm doing for the day. Yeah, I Um, think this is beautiful because I'll share what I do. I have a series of anointing oils that I like to use and they have different combinations in them. And one of my favorites is rose with a little bit of sandalwood in it. And that roll on is so special to me because rose is one of the oldest cultivated flowers in existence. It's been around as a herbal flower helper and teacher for going back in the archaeologic record, oddly enough, over 30,000 years. It's amazing. So I love rose. I absolutely love it. And I, I use it uh, sparingly. It's quite, yeah. Uh, yeah. quite yeah, yeah. expensive. Yeah. But, you know, really with an essential oil, you don't need that much. You know, no, one it, drop and it will last you a long time. And if you put it in a carrier oil, it's going to last longer. And actually you should. 
put any of these oils in a carry oil because you're anointing your body. You can use rose odo if you want. Um, actually, a rose blend would be ideal mm. because it's not as expensive. You still get the smell of the roses. You can also take a dropper that has rose in it uh, uh, that's fixed in glycerin. And so you can take a couple of drops in the morning that will help you bring forth that loving energy that you want to bring forth. You can use something that is uplifting, could be a citrus scent, mm-hmm. uh, could be lavender. Lavender is one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, you're having a, you, you know, you're facing a stressful day. Use your lavender. It'll help calm you. The scent alone will help calm you. You could put it in an inhaler. Mm-hmm. And just whoop it around your nose, you know, so that you can smell it. I think we talked about these before. Can you, yeah, and, that's um, all right. In our aromatherapy mm-hmm. podcast. So you can always go back to that one. You can use the carry oil of almond, jojoba, coconut oil, whatever floats your boat. Or just add a drop or two to your hand lotion. Oh, I love that. Yeah. You know, you had suggested too, if you're not sure what essential oil really resonates with you, go somewhere. Most of us would have at least a sort of regional, local Whole Foods, for example, or another health food store. Use the testers there and you may find several that you like. And when you're doing your anointing, Mm -hmm. I'm going to share mine with you because it's probably easier. I resonate with the mother when I'm doing this. So When I anoint my hands, I say to the mother, may I be your hands today. Mm -hmm. My heart, may my heart be open to those who need to see your love and compassion. And the crown, let me be open to your loving energies. It's as simple as that. It takes just a not even a minute to do. Mm -hmm. And it really helps settle me in for the day. You know, I've redone my dedication. Mm -hmm. Okay, day. Bring it on. (laughs) That is absolutely beautiful. And that could be applicable for every single day, Mm -hmm. but especially to open our hearts and operate from that sense, that place of love. Oh, that's beautiful, Betty. Thank you. So the other thing I did want to talk about was um, a rose quartz. Mm. This is one of my very favorite stones. I love rosy quartz. You can wear it. You can have it in... um, in its rough form. You can have it in an egg. I love the egg shape for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. because that I can hold in my hand and I can roll it around in my hand if I need to. Um, and it activates all those little chakras in your hands and all those little um, acupressure points mm-hmm. as you're doing that. And you can anoint it with whatever the oil is that you're using for the day. So that's another way to just apply it to your hands during the day. You know, you things are getting a little rough. You're like, oh my goodness, I just have to settle down. So center ground, take your rose quartz egg or a piece of rose quartz and just hold it in your hands for a few minutes. And it's going to really help you to feel that love and infuse that love. In that case, you're able to give it to others. Remember, you got to love yourself first. Put your oxygen mask on first. That's it. Then you can help the others. Yep. And I love you had an example from work, in fact, where you would have the rose quartz in your office. Yes. And very often with my clients, what I'll do is if they're having um, 
a lot of grief or sadness, uh, I will give them that rose quartz to hold. And, you know, uh, I do the same thing right now. I have my hand on a great big palm size piece of rose quartz that sits on my desk all the time. And I can look at it, touch it, refer to it. And it helps me center and ground and open up my heart energy. And then I can send that out through the airwaves, sending it out now. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I I, um, I remember being in, I think it was one of Oceaner's workshops. And this young girl was there and she was just so grief stricken. She had lost a grandparent. Oh. And she was just terribly upset. Still, you could see it, you know, yeah, of course. visible. And I went over to her and I gave her one of my rose quartz eggs mm. and I told her how to use it. Yeah. And interestingly enough, I heard from the mother, you know, a few weeks later, and she said to me, you know, that made all the difference in the world for her. You know, she has it in her bedroom. She takes it to bed at night. She holds it during the day. And it seems to have settled her down and help her come to terms with her grief. And that is what rose quartz does. It settles you down. You feel that loving energy within yourself. And that's what we're talking about today. Loving yourself. That's exactly right. Thank you for sharing that story. That's absolutely beautiful. And it's a great, it's a great deep bow to rose quartz, you know, because our stones are here to help us. They're part of the natural world with us and they have their own kind of energy to impart their own wisdom. Well, I want to share just a tiny little meditation because this is a practice that I use in my teaching and we're not going to go through it in depth, but you can choose to meditate focusing on your heart. Imagine your heart's sending out a kind of luminous pink light all the way around your body. And just thank your heart and meditate on its courage, its creativity, its love, its passion, its leadership, and just breathe in and out for five minutes a day. That can help shift your energy and contribute to our world's energy. So I'll leave you with that. And I'm here to tell you that does work. I've been in enough meetings. It's been a game changer. It really did settle down the the egos in the room, the tensions, Mm -hmm. really does make a difference. Mm-hmm. Come back to our basic humanity. We're all hearts beating in the world. I love that. Well, Betty, would you like to take up the two wise crones practice? So our daily rituals we, that we shared with you, we'd like you to pick one of them. All right. Start the day with an affirmation. Start the day with the golden light meditation that you can find on our uh, Two Crones and a Microphone podcast Mm -hmm. on Facebook or Instagram. Ask for a blessing on the day and then anoint yourself with the oils and let us know how that works for you. You may want to purchase a rosy quartz. They're usually not that expensive and work with that. But please give us some feedback and let us know how these daily practices are working for you. We so value your input and we appreciate you listening to what we have to offer. You know, this is our own heart practice to offer these wisdom practices out. And so we're so grateful that you are willing to take this journey with us. Thank you. I do want to mention, if you want to take a deeper dive, we invite you to our Zoom classes in the Feminine Wisdom series. That's taught by me, Linda, at MinervaEd.com. And the next two classes are Kuan Yin, Goddess of Compassion. We'll do an even deeper dive into Compassion and Extreme 
exchange of energy for ourselves in the world. That'll be Sunday, February 12th. And then the next up next month, Flora, Roman goddess of spring and flowers on Sunday, March 12th to help celebrate the burgeoning of spring. Now, stay up to date on our content. Check our social media platforms. Betty, you mentioned it before, but it's worth repeating. Look for the picture of our two owls for two crones. Join our Facebook page, two crones and a microphone. Find us on Instagram at number two crones and a microphone. Please leave a comment and we are available and starting our presence on LinkedIn as well. So we're very excited about that addition. We want to thank Francine Rambusic, our amazing producer, content designer, social media manager, photographer, so many other roles. She's amazing. She keeps us fresh and focused and she makes us look great. Thank you, Francine. And her energy is just absolutely wonderful. Oh, it's the best. It's Mm -hmm. phenomenal. Yeah, it is. (laughs) So until the next time, when we're going to be doing part two of Anxiety and Its Remedies, it's time for us to say goodbye. Exactly. This has been really wonderful. I I actually have enjoyed doing this podcast so much. Me too. Um, I enjoy all of them, but this one in particular, because it's so very important for us yeah. to know these different things. And if you just take a little piece of what we talked about today and apply it to your life... It'll be well worth it. I guarantee it'll be well worth it. Well said. Those are good, wise words, wise crone. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I love being a crone. Yeah, me me too. (laughs) Me too. Well, until the next time, be well. 